The California Supreme Court overturned their ban on gay marriage today. Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute will be here to discuss what this means. And Barack Obama receives more endorsements today. We'll tell you who they're from. And as our guests, we'll have the first African-American in history to achieve the rank of Sergeant Major in the Marine Corps today on Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Is homosexual marriage coming to a church? Or a county office near you. In a 4-3 decision today, the Supreme Court of California ruled that homosexual marriage bans are unconstitutional. Here now, Glenn LeVay of the Alliance Defense Fund on this bogus ruling. Obviously very disappointed. I'm surprised because the only right legal outcome was for the court to uphold the Court of Appeal decision. It is not the function of the court to redefine marriage, to redefine terms. That is a legislative act. What the court did in overturning the marriage laws is essentially enact legislation from the bench. When you put something in the Constitution, it cannot be unconstitutional. All right, that's Glenn LeVay of the Alliance Defense Fund. In just a moment, we're going to hear from our friend Brad Dacus out in California. But first, President Bush is in Israel celebrating their anniversary of statehood. He said that Iran is the world's leading sponsor of terrorism, and allowing it to have the deadliest weapon would be an unforgivable betrayal of future generations. For the sake of peace, the world must not allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. All right, that was sort of a blessing there to Israel's commitment not to allow Iran to get those weapons and, if necessary, to take out any facilities in Iran. President Bush, also speaking to the Knesset in Israel, said terrorists are not the religious men they claim to be. No one who prays to the God of Abraham could strap a suicide vest to an innocent child or blow up guiltless guests at a Passover Seder, or fly planes into office buildings filled with unsuspecting workers. All right. Well, we have a question we're going to talk about later in the program. Are, in fact, the Islamo-terrorists, the Islamo-fascists, really worshiping the God of Abraham? Is Allah the God of Abraham, or is Allah a false God? We're going to talk about that later on, but right now, once again, breaking news today, California Supreme Court 
overturns the ban on gay marriage in that state. With us to talk about it, Brad Dacus. He's the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, frequent guest here on Jerry Johnson Live. Brad, welcome back. Well, it's always a privilege to be on your program, Jerry. Hey, Brad, first thing we need to do, explain uh, to folks in the rest of the country what happened in California today. Yeah, it was a shocking, um, to me, a very, very, very disappointing decision. In a 4-3 to three vote, the state Supreme Court of California uh, decided to um, invalidate the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, will and voice of the voters of California through Proposition 22, and ruled that um, that uh, marriage cannot be limited to just a man or woman, but has to be also include uh, uh, homosexual relationships. So wait a minute. In 2000, as I recall, uh, there was Proposition 22, and the the people of California said. We're adding to our Constitution a definition of marriage, and you're saying today seven people, actually four people, overruled that vote. Absolutely. It's exactly what happened. Uh, it was a, a major disappointment. Um, and, um, and it's that same, uh, that same court, that same mindset could just as easily expand it to, to be whatever they wished. If they're not going to respect the laws of the land of California... And, and read into the Constitution new rights, they can have it applied next, next time to polygamists or bigamists or adult incest. I mean, um, it, it's really a, it is really an action of, of judicial activism at its worst. Uh, Brad, tell us this. What are the people of California going to do? Do you expect this will be challenged up to the Supreme Court? What is your organization going to do? Well, yeah, it, it's... Um, I don't believe it's going to be challenged to the U.S. Supreme Court because their decision and their rationale was based upon the California Constitution. Um, so that it really isn't much of a remedy there. Um, where there is a remedy is uh, at the ballot box in November. It looks like that uh, the, a marriage initiative uh, will will indeed make it to the ballot. It was not totally confirmed, but it's almost certain that it, there are enough signatures. And so at the, in November, uh, the voters of California will be able to vote on whether to, to change our state constitution to, uh, to amend it to specifically state that marriage is between one man and one woman. Uh, if that happens, then this state Supreme Court, the only way they could then reverse it and, uh, and bring back homosexual marriage uh, is if they ruled that the U.S. The US Constitution requires it. Mm. But if that was the case, it would then be appealed to the to U.S. Supreme Court and I believe the U.S. Supreme Court would, um, would overturn that, that, that kind of a, of a decision. So it's really up to the voters of California this November, um, and it's, it's a make or break for, for marriage in the state of California this November. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Brad Dacus, founder, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Brad, we're in the heat of an election season. Uh, tell me this. All of a sudden, has this put, once again, homosexual marriage, a marriage amendment, back on the national radar screen for McCain, Obama, and Clinton? Uh, yes, I believe it, it has. Um, you know, many Americans uh, should rightfully be very concerned. Uh, you know, right now we have the Defense of Marriage Act, which basically says that, uh, that if Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon, you know, or other states uh, don't wish to uh, recognize homosexual marriages, they don't have to. So if a couple comes from California and goes to Arizona... Arizona doesn't have to respect that as a marriage institution. Um, but uh, the, the reality is many of these states have enacted domestic partnership legislation. 
And the state Supreme Court, the rationale was based on the fact that, well, hey, if uh, this group has already been recognized to have uh, domestic partners, part, uh, domestic partnerships, then as a matter of equal treatment, they also have to be given marriage, uh, the right of marriage. And I think that rationale and logic could play itself out into all the states across the country that have enacted domestic partnership legislation. Um, and that could be very sweeping and, and very uh, hard-hitting for the institution of marriage. All right, Brad. Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, we'll talk to you again about this. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, folks, I want you to call in because we're going to talk about some questions uh, for the next few minutes. We're going to have plenty of time. If you want to call, the number is 800-881-9270. How do you feel about this today? Again, the voters of California in 2000 with Proposition 22 said homosexual marriage should be banned. But today, four men on the California Supreme Court Four judges, I don't know if they're all men or women or whoever they are, but four of them said, no, we overrule the vote of California, and uh, these bans against homosexual marriage are uh, unconstitutional. What do you think of that? 800-881-9270. And we're really thinking Christianly about this, and I have a question for you, and that is, uh, people say government can't legislate morality. And so I think here's a case study. Let's talk about this question for a minute. Should government legislate morality? Should government define marriage, sanction marriage, provide tax exemptions for marriage? If so, what kind of marriage? We say what kind of marriage? There's only been one kind of marriage throughout recorded human history, and that is a man and a woman. But I know these judges in California are questioning all of that history, all of that heritage, all of the law, and the Bible itself. What do you think? 800-881-9270. Can you legislate morality? How should we react? Another question, I think, would be this. Will this change how you vote or view the elections this fall? Because the only solution, ultimately, is a national U.S. amendment to the Constitution defining marriage as between a man and a woman, unless we have a federal amendment to the U.S. Constitution, uh, we're going to have these states like Vermont and California uh, yanking us around. And uh, will this change how you vote for Obama or Clinton or McCain? Maybe you'll switch. Maybe you think this is going to change the mix for the country. Maybe this will get evangelicals stirred up. Uh, Does government have a compelling interest, really, in marriage? Why should government get involved in marriage? Let's talk about it. 800-881-9270. We've got Vernon on the line from Princeton. Vernon, thank you for calling. Uh, Oh, Vernon's dropped. We'll go to Lovey from Plano. Lovey, thank you so much for calling. What's your view? Lovey, you're on the air. Yes. um, My view is I'm just wondering how that's going to affect the church. Like, if gay people are allowed to get married, can they come and to the church and say, well, we're, we have a right to get married, so the preachers have to marry us now. But that affect the church in any kind of way? Well, it could. You know, the church has already been gagged in Canada and in Europe. There are laws in those countries against pastors preaching on Romans 1, preaching against homosexual relationships or homosexual marriage. Already pastors have been put on trial in Canada and in Europe. And so we could see that kind of pressure. I think right now we don't see that. We don't even see it on the horizon. But uh, once you say that this is a constitutional right, uh, you may see pressure 
uh, brought. You may see tax-exempt status revoked for some churches, for some preachers. So I think that's an excellent question, Lovey, and probably a legitimate concern. Not immediate, but probably over the next two or three hills. We've got Ann on the line from Dallas. Ann, thank you for calling. What's your question? What's your comment? Well, I have a comment about your question or answer to your question. Is can or should the government uh, legislate morality? Yes. I believe that it is governmental function to legislate morality. I agree. I, I, I think, think you're right. Because when we, when we legislate the laws of the Bible as the founding laws of our nation, we have legislated morality. Their argument that when they change laws, they are not legislating morality, that's the false argument. Well, look, you're exactly right, um, and uh, there are laws against killing, that's morality. Laws against stealing, that's about morality. Laws against uh, perjury, that's uh, morality, lying. And so there's no question as to whether or not the government legislates morality. The question is, on what basis? Now, we wouldn't say that the government can outlaw all sin, as much as we don't like sin. Uh, There are probably some sins that the government can't make illegal, but there ought to be some basis on which the government decides what kind of morality to legislate. And that really goes to the second question. What is the government's interest in um, sanctioning marriage, providing tax breaks for marriage married couples, uh, benefits, recognizing a special status called marriage. What is the government's business in marriage? We want to think through that. And I want to hear what some of you think before I share what I think. We've got Carrie on the line from Fort Worth. Carrie, thank you for calling. What's your view? Thank you. You're very welcome, Dr. Johnson. My view is this. If the Christians, and I think you said it was in California where the judges yes. made this ruling, if the Christians would stand up and say, okay, if you're going to legislate morale, then we're going to legislate you right out of government, and we're not going to vote for you anymore the next time you run for a judge. That's right. Most of these state judges all over the country can be voted out, and if not voted out, impeached by the uh, houses, uh, the state legislatures. And so perhaps that's what will happen in California or elsewhere. Thank you, Kerry. Folks, we're going to take your calls on this next segment. Call now, 800-881-9270. Lines are open. 800-881-9270. I'm checking email today. Talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Can we legislate morality? Does government really have an interest uh, in marriage? Also, later in the program, we're going to hear leadership secrets from the sergeant major of the Marine Corps. You don't want to miss this. He knows about leadership. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This is a tired argument that buys into the propaganda of the enemies of peace. And America utterly rejects it. All right, that's President Bush refuting the argument that if the United States would just break ties with Israel, all the problems in the Middle East would go away. He was really standing with Israel today. We're going to talk about that later in the program. And also coming up in just a few minutes, leadership achieving life-changing success from within. We're going to talk to Sergeant Major McMichael, the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. Here's certainly a man who would know something about leadership. you want to tune in at 5.30 for that. But today, breaking news. The Supreme Court of California, in a 4-3 decision, throughout the will of the people, jettisoned the vote of Proposition 22 and 2000 and said that homosexual marriage bans are unconstitutional. What do you think about it? 800-881-9270. we got Trevor on the line from Dallas. Trevor, thank you for holding. What's your take on this? Well, my take is that uh, people are still uh, rewriting the Constitution. Uh, the uh, question, can uh, uh, should government legislate morality, uh, I heard once that the only thing the government can legislate is morality. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, if it's legislation, it's about the laws. It's about what is acceptable. It's about what is permissible or what will be sanctioned by the government. I guess the, the, the next question is, though, does the government have a compelling interest in defining marriage and recognizing marriage? What do you think of that? Well, I think we lost Trevor. Let's go to Ron. Maybe Ron can address that. Ron from Alito, thanks for calling. What's your view of this? Well... First off, thanks, Dr. Johnson, for taking my call. Um, you know, God's Word is very plain and very simple. Yes. It says homosexuality is an abomination. That's true. You know, if, if God's people, which are called by His name, would get up off their dead duff and say, <laughs> okay, we've had enough of this. Yes, enough is we've enough. We've had a right stripped in our schools. We've had a right stripped in our, in our speech. We've had a right stripped throughout history. And it's about time that Americans who are Christians stand up and say, enough. We'll show you what we can do through our vote. Well, I think if we would be salt, if we would be light, if we'd get out and vote, impeach these kinds of judges, uh, we could make a difference. Ron, thanks for the exhortation. Let's move on to John from Dallas. John, uh, what's your take on this decision in California uh, really reversing the vote of the people to ban homosexual marriage now, once again, opening door for so-called gay marriage. What do you think, John? Uh, well, I'm with the last caller. I feel we are, as a people, we're Christians, and we're filled with that power that God has given us. If you're filled with that Holy Ghost, if all Holy Ghost-filled Christians would come together and use that power He has given us and stand up, like the last caller said, and just stand up and vote against these people that are in those positions making these decisions— we need to get them out of there and get in people that are filled with the Spirit and are living by the true Word of God, living by the truth. Thanks, John. That's a good. That's another good exhortation there. And uh, we've got another caller here, Rick from North Richland Hills. Rick, uh, how do you feel about this uh, decision out in California today? Well, Jerry, I was deeply saddened by it. 
it just is such a statement of where our country is going to and it's um in its christianity and in its heart and uh it makes me want to move to australia where i i know that it's not better there though <laughs> uh, try no, another i think country. we need to stand up and fight for yeah, what we, we believe in mm-hmm. and if we don't stand up and fight we're going to lose the battle well thanks rick i think it is a wake-up call for christians and um, we need to sort through this in a proper way and it's very interesting in light of the so-called evangelical manifesto uh, that uh, was dropped upon us last week. How Christians, uh, how Christians should respond to this may not be clear to many. So let's think about that as well. We got Lewis on the line from Arlington. Lewis, how do you feel about this activity in California? Well, Doctor Johnson, it's just, it's just a continuation of of where this nation is going. It's sad, but it's another call for for Christians to stand up and uh, and reestablish what. Constitution of the United States is and how it's established through the Bible and the basic preamble of the Constitution says what we to ensure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Not our prosperity, but our posterity. That's good. And th- in that in that the United States government is supposed to ensure the perpetuation of future generations. That's the posterity. That's why I've always wondered why it was not argued in terms of the abortion law being unconstitutional on ground that does not sustain American families. That's so interesting, now, Lewis, because you're breaking up. I'm going to have to let you go, but I think you've made a very important point. Uh, ensuring posterity, future generations, we're talking about procreation. And if you abort babies, you don't procreate them, and homosexuals are not procreating either. So I think that's pretty interesting. And there's more in the Declaration that I'll talk about in a minute. Tyler from Arlington. Tyler, today the Supreme Court of California says four to three that bans against homosexual marriage are unconstitutional. What do you think of that? Well, the first question is what grounds did they find that ruling on? Because I haven't heard that yet. Well, the California Constitution uh, has a non-discrimination clause that's unlike most of the uh, clauses for most states in America. And as I recall... It's a loose clause which prohibits, you know, discrimination. Of course, it doesn't say about sex or sexual orientation or sexual activity or anything like that. But they've read the broadest possible meaning, I think, into their Constitution, sort of okay. like folks do with the right of privacy on abortion. So I think, I think that's what's happened is they've, they've interpreted the Constitution, you know, reading the broadest meaning into an anti-discrimination clause. Oh, the, re- the reason I ask that is because if that's the case, if they're going to try to pass a marriage amendment for themselves in November, they're also going to need to strip that clause so yeah. they don't have to clash in court yeah. because of that. And yeah. to answer your question of why, why should government care about society procreating, well, you just said it right there. I mean, look at France. Yeah. You have to have an increasing birth rate in order for a country to survive. And it is in the best interest of the, con- the country as well as the people to hold that sacrosanct. Uh, that's good. We've aborted over 40 million people in America, and um, we uh, have also seen the European nations dying out uh, because other populations are not growing. And we do have an interest in affirming marriage, procreation, children, many children. We've got Marlo on the line from Wiley. Marlo, thank you for calling. What's your take on this? Well, first I want to say thank you for taking my call. But um, it's just really upsetting because I'm a mother of four kids, and it's hard enough day to day to teach my kids what is right and what is wrong. And when the Bible clearly states that it is wrong, 
and then they see it, you know, on a day-to-day basis. You know, I'm worried every day what they've learned, what they've seen, what they've heard. And this is just, it is very upsetting because it's like we're battling a battle that no one seems to really care. And and, it's, and they base it on their constitutional right. What about the constitutional rights of Christians? Thank you so much, Marlo. Well, I want to back up for just a moment and try to address this in two ways. First, about the legality and the government. Uh, does government have an interest? I think we've already spoke to that, spoken to that, and that is that government does have an interest in seeing that children are nurtured, brought up in the proper atmosphere. And um, while the government can't outlaw all sin, um, the government should recognize what's called natural law. And I think uh, that's actually what Paul is arguing in Romans 1 uh, when he says, Look, by, by looking at creation and the created order, you can see that female-female or male-male sexual relations are against nature. They're against the created order and therefore against the Creator. Paul says you don't have to have a Bible to see this. This is natural law encoded in the nature of creation as it is. And by the way, he goes all the way back to Genesis 1. He's not talking about Leviticus and it being an abomination or Exodus. He's talking about just creation, male and female, in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, Paul says these same-sex relationships are unnatural. And the government uh, has the right, I think, to legislate morality based upon natural law. But uh, we go on to say, certainly we want to talk about this from a, a spiritual, scriptural, and Christian perspective. Uh, just sim- simply, what should we make of homosexuality? As you work through the Old Testament, you'll see in the Sodom of, and Gomorrah story in Genesis uh, 19 that uh, this is a sin that brings judgment. You see later in the law, For instance, in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, that it is indeed an abomination. Then in the New Testament, you'll see in 1 Timothy 1, Paul puts this kind of sin in a long vice list or sin list. Uh, It's clearly there. And he's very specific, actually. Uh, If you've noticed, homosexual partners, one takes on the male role, one takes on the female role. And Paul uses that male role and that female homosexual role to say both of these roles are sinful. But uh, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 6.11, such were some of you. Some of you were like this. And he uses the word for homosexuality. But then he says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Well, the real answer to homosexuality in America is not more laws. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And for that, we don't need political action. We need revival. We need reformation. We need a reawakening in America. Let's pray for that. Let's witness for that. Let's work for that. And meanwhile, as Christian citizens, uh, let's vote right for the right kind of laws that would uphold marriage. Let's hold judges accountable for these goofy kinds of decisions like we see out there in California. Now, when we come back, only one Sergeant Major of the U.S. Marine Corps, he's going to talk to us about leadership.
the year 2013. The Middle East stabilized. Nuclear terror threat reduced. Border security strengthened. Energy independence advanced. Wasteful spending reformed. Healthcare choice delivered. Economic confidence restored. The year 2013. The president, John McCain. I'm John McCain, and I approve this message. All right, that's a John McCain campaign ad. Question everyone's asking, who would be the best leader for America? Is it Obama? Is it Clinton? Is it McCain? Well, we might get to that later, but let's talk about leadership in general. Leadership in your home. Leadership in your school. Leadership in your church. Leadership... All over the map, everybody has an opportunity for leadership. It's always good to hear some good leadership secrets. And you may not know this, but there is only one sergeant major of the Marine Corps at any given time. It's the highest enlisted rank a Marine can achieve. And in 1999, Alfred McMichael became the 14th man in American history to achieve that rank, Sergeant Major, and the first African-American to do so. And he's written a new book about leadership entitled A Leadership Philosophy for Everyone. Not just military folks, but for you. And let's welcome Sergeant Major McMichael. It's good to have you on the air. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I'm very happy to be with you, Mr. Johnson. All right, Sergeant Major, let's just uh, unpack this. I'm very interested where you learned these lessons. Uh, maybe you could tell us a bit about your background, but where did you find these leadership secrets? Well, I don't think they were secrets, Jerry. I think that I learned them from my, my mother and my grandmother, and I tell the story that it was quite simple. I learned them at the dinner table when the family came together each That's evening good. and sat at the table and morals and ethics and values and beliefs all were instilled in us as a part and a way of life that we were expected to live. And that seed, that oak, that, that acorn was plant, planted at the dinner table, and throughout life it's grown into the oak tree that we're able to use today. Well, I think one thing we can pick up right there is we need to have that dinner table every night with our families, and that's a challenge today is that we're missing out on the dinner table experience. So uh, we do need to try to recover that as much as possible because I think children should learn from parents, from grandparents. Uh, Sergeant Major, let's go to some of these lessons. Uh, tell us uh, in this book the kind of lessons that you think are you know key for leadership. Well, I think... It, it... In, in simple words, you have to learn to walk the walk. The, the, it's a lost art of leadership, being able to, what that means is being, your word is your bond. Uh, whatever you know is right, have the courage and, and the strength and the discipline to uh, do that in, in the face of others trying to lead you with peer pressure or uh, foul uh, instructions. Uh, that's what leadership has, has to me, and once again, that was instilled at the dinner table, but it also was taught to me daily that you have to learn to love yourself completely if you are to love others adequately, and that's loving your family, loving the people in your neighborhood, loving the people in your community so that you can better understand how to love people in society. Well, you know, if you look a lot of uh, books at the bookstore today on business success or leadership, um they're not going to stress love, and they're probably not going to stress character integrity. So I think uh, this 
This is a counter current from a lot that you're hearing out there today. Uh, what else did you pick up at that dinner table? Well, it, it was showing compassion, and, and I call it the McMichael rule, uh, the McMichael rule, intelligence over emotion. And, and what that means is you gain as much information and knowledge about situations, subjects, or, or issues, and you deal with them from with the intelligent mind and not the emotional heart. Even though you're going to have emotions and things, but let your drive be from the knowledge that you have about the issues and, and keep yourself in a calm mood so that you can do what's right and do the best that you can do with the issues that at hand. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Sergeant Major Alfred McMichael of the U.S. Marine Corps. He's written the book, A Leadership Philosophy for Everyone. Sergeant Major, let me ask you this question. Uh, do you really think people can change and become more effective leaders? I mean, you've watched a lot of people up and down the ranks in the Marine Corps and elsewhere. Uh, have you seen people change uh, by applying some of these or other principles? I really have, Jerry. Uh, that's why I call the book Achieving Life, Change, and Success from Within. Um, if you first learn that what you are and what's inside of you, and you allow that to be motivated enough to achieve greatness or goodness in, in what you do every day, success will come and you will change. When people uh, get a taste of success, they want to do the right thing. They want to be the right person and, and uh, help others along the way. So, yes, I've watched young men and women uh, from high school to coming in out of college uh, just change their whole mindset. But yet they understand their culture, they understand their faith, and they understand their beliefs. They just refine it so that they can get the most out of it. Uh, Sergeant Major, tell us this, because I'm fascinated by military history and so forth. Uh, what kind of leadership qualities does it really take to lead someone in battle? Or we're thinking about commander-in-chief today as well, because we've got an election coming up in the fall. What do you look for in, in someone that's going to inspire confidence in the men? Well, I think, uh, for me, the first thing that we look for is trust. They trust me and what they have taught me to do, and I trust them and what they're teaching me is the right thing to do it with. Mm -hmm. So trust is, is the foundation, and, and trust comes honesty. And from honesty, uh, it, it becomes a, a bond, a, a, a brotherly bond that you know that when you close your eyes at night, you can, you can tap your buddy on the shoulder and they're going to take care of business even though you are taking a break. Mm. But the quality of, of, of the completing the mission will never be, uh, go down. It will always stay at the highest level. Sergeant Major, as you look back over military history or U.S. history or ancient history, uh, I'm always interested in someone who writes about leadership. Uh, who are your favorite leaders uh, that you admire, maybe mentors that uh, helped you? Well, I had, I had two great mentors, two great leaders, uh, First, it started at home with my mother and my grandmother, That's and great. then on through school with, with some uh, gentlemen, uh, my coaches, my, my high school coaches, and then on to the military, which I write about in, in, in my book, Leadership, Achieving Life, Changing Success from Within, General James L. Jones, who was the Commandant of the Marine Corps, and then later went on to be the Supreme Allied Commander mm -hmm. of NATO. Um, 
so it's kind of a, a flutter of, of success, uh, people that have taken uh, some interest in me and helped guide and helped me keep my, my compass on the right asthma. All right. Sergeant Major Alfred McMichael, he's written this book, A Leadership Philosophy for Everyone. Sergeant Major, I have one final question. We heard John McCain a moment ago, and we've got McCain, we've got Obama, we've got Clinton. Um, Just in terms of leadership, not politics right now, what are your observations about these three people? Do you tend to think one of them would be a better leader or a better leader of the military? Do you have any view on that? Well, I think that uh, before they can ever get to the military, they, they're going to have to focus more so on leading a nation. The, the military is only a small part of our nation, and the great people that serve our country are people that serve on radio talk shows, in classrooms, in hospitals. In, in, uh, uh, I happen to spend 36 years of my life serving my country in the Department of Defense. But I, I'm so proud of all the other people that serve our country in many other ways that give us in the Department of Defense the resources to go do battle, protect this country, and come home alive. All three candidates are, are very capable of doing that, and I look forward to seeing which one will take the helm and continue to move this country forward. All right. Well, the best military men always do appreciate the civilians back home. I really appreciate this, Sergeant Major. Thank you so much for being with us. Sergeant Major Alfred McMichael, he's written the book, A Leadership Philosophy for Everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jerry. All right, folks, it's very interesting that he says his heroes in leadership, his mother, his grandmother, a coach. So I thought he was going to say Douglas MacArthur or... You know, Norman Schwarzkopf, he did say General Jones, but I think it's encouraging to you driving home or cooking the meal tonight at home, whatever you're doing, that um, your children look to you at the dinner table. Or if you're a coach or a teacher or a grandmother, they're looking to you for leadership, for the, the key lessons of life. And, of course, I think as Christians we would add uh, to this Uh, You know, we would affirm walking the walk, integrity. We would affirm love of neighbor, love of family. We would affirm the value of compassion. You really don't expect a military man to come up with this list. It's um, counterintuitive, but I think it fits nicely with the the kinds of themes you see in the New Testament, that uh, we're to love God first with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And uh, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant. You heard uh, the sergeant major talk about others, talking about the civilians. And I think um, there's some common ground there. Leadership lessons from Sergeant Major Alfred McMichael. When we come back, President Bush is on a roll in the Middle East celebrating Israel's independence. But um, did he cross over into politics? I think he was chiding Jimmy Carter criticizing Barack Obama, probably, as he talked about negotiating with the terrorist. We're going to see what he had to say. We're going to see what Tom Daschle had to say in response. And guess who endorsed Barack Obama today? It was Edwards yesterday. Who endorsed him today, and what's the message about abortion? And then, of course, more Dr. Criswell today. When we come back, Dr. W.A. Criswell... And we have an important announcement to make in this final segment 
about Dr. Criswell. You don't want to miss it. It's Jerry Johnson Live. I'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, Barack Obama is the presumptive nominee of the Democrat Party. He certainly gives very inspiring speeches. He's good to look at, uh, sounds fun. But where does he stand on the issues, particularly on the sanctity of innocent human life? And sometimes you can tell by who endorses someone uh, what we ought to be expecting. Of course, yesterday, Senator Edwards endorsed Obama. That was interesting. But I find today's endorsement more important. Today, Nancy Keenan president of the National Abortion Rights Action League. It's called Pro-Choice America. The pro-abortion lobby group endorsed Barack Obama. Here's that announcement. Hi, I'm Nancy Keenan. I'm president at NARAL Pro-Choice America. And we're here today to announce that we are endorsing Senator Barack Obama for president of the United States. Senator Barack Obama is fully pro-choice, and we are so convinced that he will protect our freedom and privacy in the White House when he gets there. Uh, let me tell you why, and that is because we cannot go another day with John McCain's record not being exposed to the American public. Uh, he has a zero voting record, and Barack Obama has a 100% voting record when it comes to the issue of... All right. She said McCain has a zero voting record on voting for abortion. And Obama has a 100% voting record voting for abortion. Isn't that interesting? That fits with what the bipartisan National Interest article said about Obama being the most liberal U.S. senator. I remind you, Obama voted to sustain the practice of partial birth abortion. This is where they pull the feet, the legs, and the body, and the arms of the baby out of the womb, leave the head in the womb, and then suck the brains out of that baby that could survive right out of the womb, even in the last nine months. You say, I don't like listening to that driving home. I don't like listening to that before I eat my dinner. Well, I don't like it going on in America. I think it's wrong for this to happen. And I think Eisenhower was right to order those film crews into those Nazi death camps to say, we need to see this. America needs to see this. Everybody else needs to see this. And I think we've got to talk about this. I don't see how uh, Obama 
can have his picture in front of the cross and send out his religious brochure that we talked about a day or two ago, if he's not going to stand up for the sanctity of innocent human life created in God's image, he receives the endorsement today of the pro-abortion group NARAL Pro-Choice America. They give him a 100% rating. Also today, he received an endorsement from Henry Waxman and Howard Berman, superdelegates. And so Obama racking up the support. Will he have yours? I'm very interested uh, to know that. Well, President Bush today, again, on a roll in the Middle East, talking about Israel, talking about terrorism, and uh, really standing up to say that uh, he disagrees with those who think that we just need to be talking with the terrorists and all the violence would go away. Some seem to believe that we should negotiate with the terrorists and radicals as if some ingenious argument will persuade them they have been wrong all along. We've heard this foolish delusion before. As Nazi tanks, tanks crossed into Poland in 1939, an American senator declared Lord, if I could only have talked to Hitler, all this might have been avoided. We have an obligation to call this what it is, the false comfort of appeasement, which has been repeatedly discredited by history. All right, that's code for former President Jimmy Carter and current candidate Barack Obama, whom both have said, look, we just need to be talking to these terrorists. We need to be talking to Iran and Ahmadinejad. President Bush says you don't talk with Hitler and you don't talk with the terrorists. We don't talk with Hamas. We don't talk with al-Qaeda. We don't talk to Ahmadinejad. And, of course, uh, the Democrats uh, taking offense at this. Here's Tom Daschle, used to be the leader of the Senate. Now he's the Obama campaign spokesman, and he is rebuking President Bush for that statement. For any president to go abroad and go to a, another government and use this celebration of democracy to attack a political leader in this country is just unacceptable. It is uh, reprehensible, it's wrong, and uh, we're going to call him on it. Well, I hope you can see the hypocrisy of that because these Democrat liberals have been criticizing the commander-in-chief in a time of war. Since when is that patriotic or acceptable in America to be running down the commander-in-chief and, and, and the military uh, during a time of war? They've been doing it again and again and again. Well, uh, let's go back to John McCain because John McCain is announcing his plan to deal with the Islamo-fascist, the Islamo-terrorist. He says uh, he believes if he's president, he can bring an end to this conflict. By January 2013, America has welcomed home most of the servicemen and women who have sacrificed terribly so that America might be secure in her freedom. The Iraq war has been won. All right, that's John McCain's vision uh, to win through strength, not compromise, not through negotiation, but to see this victory, um, this effort through, uh, pressing for the victory. Well, we'll see if he can prevail in the election, and uh, we will see if uh, we do indeed prevail in the Middle East. Well, this goes back to uh, the Christian worldview. As we think about the military, there's a God-ordained role for the military, but uh, there is also a spiritual battle going on, a spiritual war going on. 
and I turn to Dr. W.A. Criswell, founder and chancellor of Criswell College. These are some comments he made about American soldiers going off uh, in World War II. We have given sons and daughters to the armed defense of our country. Could we offer them in like devotion to the saving of the world in the spiritual and blessed ministries of Christ? All right, well, I agree. We ought to be patriotic. We ought to want our family members to support the military, maybe even to be in the military. We should always support that effort. But there is a greater cause for Christians, and that is the cause of world evangelization, the cause of missions, the cause of the kingdom of God, and we are in a spiritual battle. Are you praying, hoping, urging, hinting that your children would go on the mission field or into the pastorate or to be an evangelist or to be some kind of a Christian worker? I hope you are, and I really like hearing Dr. W.A. Criswell. Let me remind you that he is preaching this Sunday night on KCBI at 7 o'clock. It's a tremendous message, the Gospel of Isaiah. That's Dr. W.A. Criswell, this Sunday night at 7 o'clock, KCBI, KSYE, and KCRN. Now, next week, you're not going to believe this guest. He wrote a book, How I Helped O.J. Get Away with Murder. It's O.J. Simpson's friend, confidant and agent Mike Gilbert. He helped him during the trial, during the investigation. He regrets it. You'll want to hear him. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.